Welcome back, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, anyone interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. This is part two of our season finale here at Entrefest. This is Iowa Innovation powered by NewBoco, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dr. Jennifer Murphy. And I am not a Dr. Rob Merritt. And today we're going to be speaking with multiple guests here at Entrefest. One of the first ones is going to be Billy K. Asmus. And Billy has started a company called Silicone Studios, which makes some of the coolest things. I've So she makes this silicone lining that you put into Y'all, a Rob painting tray. Rob is geeking out Hardcore right now. Hardcore geeking out. Do you know how many models I build and paint that this thing will be helpful for? So we're going to talk to Billy all about how she came up with it, how it works, and how you can get on her mailing list. Then we get to speak with an authentic Zimbabwean. Uh, I met Jack Chimbetete uh, just standing in headquarters at Entrefest and said hello and he started to tell me his story and about 30 seconds later I was like this guy needs to be on our podcast. He did legitimately come here from Zimbabwe on a fellowship, went to Drake University and fell in love with Iowa, which I love. But he's not done there. He's making connections between Iowa and Africa, and he's going to tell us all about those here shortly. He's a super cool guy. I had so much fun talking with him. Also had fun catching up with Anna Gannon, who's an old friend of ours. She went through the Iowa Startup Accelerator last year with her company called Kerbicus. And Kerbicus is a product that sucks up dog poop. (laughs) Yes, you heard that right. This is a device that you can use when you're walking your dog in order to pick up what they leave behind without having to actually touch anything because it's got these cool little liners inside that you can then drop into uh, into a waste and it's all biodegradable it's very environmentally friendly but Anna is a delight she was here at Entrefest and she checks in with us just to let us know how things have been going with the company so if you're already racing to her website and all you see is the little dog option you gotta stay tuned and hear the story you'll learn more I promise so with that let's innovate Iowa So once again, we are with our sponsor, Rob, who is it? Uh, we are chatting with Nye Master Good, and, uh, and who we always talk about in every episode. And we were having <laughs> such a good chat in our last episode that we were like, we got we to gotta come back. We got to do this again. Yes, so here we yes. are. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, uh, yeah. which, which take it away, Jennifer. Yeah. So... I was thinking about this just because in our last conversation, we were talking about some of the fear that entrepreneurs can have about going to see a lawyer and some of the the waste time and not go do it in time and all those things. But, and it's interesting because a lot of the conversations I hear when I engage with that is, oh, I, you know, I just, it's going to cost me so much money, you know, and then they put it off and then that ends up costing them money. And, you know, at Nubaco, we focus a lot on this idea of entrepreneurship as part of an ecosystem. And when we talk about that, we tend to think about the small business and the accelerators and the investors, you know, and those pieces of it. But our legal community is also a huge part of that entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so, you know, and I will be honest, initially when Mike was like, we're going to have Nymaster Good, I was like, Nymaster, what, a law firm's going to sponsor our podcast? And the more I thought about it, the more that made sense, because you all are such a vital part of the ecosystem, not just from... Um, a legal standpoint in providing advice and helping us build businesses, but also your community members, you know, your idea makers. You just talked about your colleague who delivered a session on invention he had. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, you know, you've been you've been a lawyer for a, a while. I'm not going to try to date you, but you've been a lawyer for a while. Um, you've been in the area for a while. Um, if yeah, you think Ryan, about- you're, you said you were based out of Cedar Rapids. That's right. I'm in our Cedar Rapids office. Yeah, yep. thank you. Good clarification. Yes. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious, as you think about just the nature of your career over time and the evolution of Cedar Rapids, what are some of the things you've seen in entrepreneurship, just from your perspective? Doesn't have to be an expert. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just, I'm always curious, what are our community members and our the, the special parts of our ecosystem feel about it? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. So to date myself, I've been practicing law for about 20 years and I started in Cedar Rapids in 2002 so I've been in Cedar Rapids my entire career as a patent lawyer and I think you know one thing that I've seen is I think there are a lot more resources now than perhaps there were 20 years ago Mm -hmm. there were some entities 
between 2002 and maybe 2005 that came online in Cedar Rapids to help mm. entrepreneurs and small businesses. Uh, but I think there's just more and more of those types of resources and entities and uh, you know funding. And I, I think just maybe even on a statewide basis, there's more interest in growing Iowa-based businesses, mm -hmm. retaining people and talent in Iowa. And so I think there's just a lot more effort by by a lot of people put towards growing and fostering and maintaining businesses in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I would agree with that. I moved to Iowa actually in 2004 and I was working for um, a couple of the larger corporations in town in Cedar Rapids. And then it was 2010 that I started my business and then went full time with it in 2012. And like my perspective on that was that was when I was starting to hear a lot of people talk about entrepreneurship and that, you know, you could argue that phenomenon, right? Because as soon as you buy a red car, like everybody drives a red car, it's that kind of thing. But I, you know, I also have seen just that uptick and also that opportunity for it's not just the scrappy entrepreneur out there on their own, but it's the scrappy entrepreneur with the corporate support with the ecosystem support, with the collective support of, hey, I know a great lawyer at Nymaster, <laughs> you know, go talk to this person because they can help you. And, you know, we become we become a community that way. You know, we, we strengthen our community that way is, is my perception. Um, can you talk a little bit about Nymaster's commitment to the communities it's a part of? Because Nymaster's in Cedar Rapids, Ames, and Des Moines, right? That's did right. I get the quiz right, Rob? I believe you did, yes. Yeah. Okay, we've only been doing this for she 10 episodes. She does this to me like in every yeah, episode. I know, I know, I know. It's just so much more fun to put you on the spot. Um, so. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, not a doc. Um, all right, so what are what are some of the ways that Nymaster gets involved in the community in other ways beyond sponsoring our amazing podcast with this great relationship yeah you know as you also say in your in your intro every mm -hmm. every podcast that we represent small clients and large clients alike yeah. and um, I mean to me there's there's joy in, in representing all different sizes of clients working with the young entrepreneur really is a fun thing mm -hmm. you see the spark in their eye as they as they come to you with their invention and as you said earlier their baby I mean it really is their mm -hmm. baby in a lot of ways so we really enjoy working with, with the young companies and young entrepreneurs. And we, we support them, I think, through a lot of different practice areas. Yeah. We really do have lawyers that play at very high levels in a lot of practice areas. And, and all of these practice areas can serve young and growing companies. Yeah. So kind of following along that, there's people I know who live in California and in New York. Why you got to be bagging on California? Dude? Well, no, they rip on me all the time where they're like, why are you in Iowa? Nothing happens I'm, in Iowa. I'm feeling called out being and a California native. Just I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel called out as living in Iowa with these people. Um, no, these are my friends, but they, they will give me a hard time for being in Iowa because they're like, I don't understand why you're in, you know, there's nothing there. Yeah. And when I tell them, oh, you know, there's startup culture here. There's like industry mm. happening here. They're like, sure there is. Let me right, guess. It's, yeah. it's all about corn, right? And I'm yeah. like, no, there's like technology <laughs> happening here. Um, but you're We've working. We've got to overcome this. <laughs> yes. I mean, but, yeah. but what I I think you're working in, in patent law, which means that there are enough new inventions being patented here that it can be your entire business in Iowa. For and 20 years. Yeah. Right? That, We're that, assuming that, you've that been says in a lot law about the things yeah. that are getting yeah, okay. created here. Uh, but I, so having seen that, having seen the kind of creativity coming out of the state and the kind of products that, that you're helping uh, to make a reality, why, why is it important? for people who are creators, inventors, who are in the state of Iowa, to keep working here, to not feel like, oh, I gotta go to the coast in order for my invention to be seen. Yeah. Why is it important for them to be here in Iowa and to be creating things in the state and getting them patented here in the state and building them in the state? Yeah. And, and why, why do you enjoy being a part of that? Mm -hmm. Wait, sure. and where did you go to school? <laughs> Because we know that's a thing in this state that I don't care about, but other people do. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I, uh, I've seen both schools. I was at Iowa State for a while, and then I came here to Iowa and got uh, my degree from Iowa. So you're not just a house divided. You're like a person, a person divided. person divided. <laughs> yes, that's right. I see the, the good in both. But, well, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois, just right across the Mississippi River. Mm. And all my family is from Iowa. I've really always kind of 
um, identified as an Iowan, even though I ended up going to, even though I went to high school in Illinois. Right. And so living here in Iowa has just, has just been a great thing. Working here in Iowa, um, the energy here in the entrepreneur community is, is fantastic. So when you hear somebody mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, why would you make something in Iowa? Mm-hmm. What's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, Iowa, I think the Midwest in general, but Iowa specifically, the folks have a great work ethic. They, they strive for perfection when they're creating and, and manufacturing their products. Can you think of something particularly innovative that you have helped to, to get patented? I mean, can you, can you talk about that? Uh, or if there is something that you're like, oh yeah, this was really cool. I really liked working on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, can you give us an example of that? Well, I think generally, I can talk about such things generally. Clients um, I've worked with over the years in a lot of different industries do things like uh, manufacturing biodiesel and ethanol products, which is really an industry that's near and dear to Iowa. We have other clients who make household appliances and attachments for tractors. So we represent clients in a wide array of different technologies. Is there one in particular that makes you think, I'm really glad I was part of that? You know, I think the ones that make me think that are are kind of more the smaller inventors who were able to protect inventions for a, a product that perhaps is a small building product. And then they, in this example I'm thinking of, they take their product to a big company and are able to, to sell their company and kind of achieve their dream of not only protecting their invention, but also growing a business and then selling it to a large company. Um, so those serial entrepreneurs who kind of strive to invent something, take it down the path for a little while, and then sell off the rights to somebody else, those really are rewarding at the very end when you can watch the inventor go from the very beginning to the very end of their life cycle of their product. Well, we've gotten to talk to some really cool inventors and innovators on this uh, this first season of Iowa Innovation. and. I, I can't thank you enough for having been part of that and uh, as a sponsor, you know, making it possible for us to do what yeah. we're doing. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, and I hope you have a really good time with the next couple of days of Entrefest. I mean, there's going to be a lot of really good stuff to see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. We greatly enjoyed sponsoring the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to all of the episodes. So thank you for what you guys do. Oh, absolutely. Well, Ryan, it's been really good to talk to you, man. Thank yep. you so much for coming on. Thanks so much. And uh, I guess we'll we'll see you for the next one. All right. Sounds great. Take care. All right. So we are back with Billy. I keep wanting to say Billy Eilish. Eilish. <laughs> it's not the first time I've gotten that. I'm sure. <laughs> we are back with Billy. And so it was really cool because yesterday you watched us. You hung out yep. with us um, during day one of Entrefest. And then you came up and talked to us. And you presented us with these cool little things that you make. So tell us about what you do. What's your business? What do you do? What what can we learn from you? Yeah. Um, so my company is Silicon Studios. And it started in my basement. And first off, I started by refinishing and refurbishing furniture. And with that came a lot of painting. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much waste I was going through with the plastic paint tray liners. And so I went to Amazon, naturally, to find something reusable. And nothing existed. And so, you know, if it's not on Amazon, it probably doesn't right, exist. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I even went to Google. And I was like the sixth page in. And nothing mm-hmm. was showing up. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe this is an opportunity. So I contacted a friend of mine to do a patent search and he didn't find anything. So I contacted a patent firm and they looked and did a search and they didn't find anything. So I patented a reusable silicone paint tray liner and a lid. So I had poured- And the lid to be clear is for the liner itself, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. when I'm going to go into production, it will be a physical tray and it'll be the liner and a lid yeah. that will come together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you came by yesterday, you had uh, a sample and mm-hmm. it was like this like miniature version of the tray, which for me, I do a lot of like model building and painting. I'm making mm-hmm. little cars all the time and I'm like, you know, constantly getting paint everywhere. And so I'm looking for solutions both, you know, to be able to mix small amounts of paint and then just, you know, just generally having something that I can work out of that when you showed that and you were like, oh, this is just a little tiny model. I was yeah. like, no, that's perfect for yeah. me. I don't need the big one. Like that little <laughs> one would be ideal. So I, I instantly saw tons of uses for something like this. And, you know, having spent more than my fair 
fair share of time, uh, you know, cleaning up paint, figuring mm -hmm. out like little vessels that it can go into uh, that, you know, once it's in there, you're never going to be able to use it again. Right. Um, the idea of like a small vessel that you can put paint into and then clean it out, use it again, mm -hmm. uh, is just, there's so many uses for me. And I'm just a hobbyist. I can only yeah. imagine what this would do for somebody who does this for a living. So it's a really, really exciting product. Or as mm -hmm. a larger scale hobbyist even. Yeah, yeah, even as I mean, a, yeah. right. <clears throat> well, and you know, I refinished and refurbished furniture, so you know, even just using a mini version of that to be able to do smaller projects would be great as well. So I do plan on coming out with multiple sizes, but my first goal is to come out with the traditional paint tray liner and lid size, mm -hmm. and then doing more sizes after that. So is it just the silicone, or do you put any kind of liner or something on it so that it resists yeah, I mean, as it treated, I, mean right? I, I don't yeah, yeah I mean I don't know if you if you have just regular silicone and you put paint on it yeah. does the paint rinse right off or do you have to do something in order to make it so that the paint doesn't ever soak no, into it it'll it won't soak into it I mean I have my liner at home and I've had paint dried in it for months <laughs> and I'm not worried about it because I know I'll be able to peel it out or wash it out and it's not a big deal and I'll be able to use it well, new. one of the cool things about it for people who can't actually see the product is that it's flexible. Yeah. And so, you know, you think of paint drying onto something and, you know, crusting onto it or whatever, you know, with silicone, you could just bend, bend it, it and, right. you know, mm -hmm. pop the paint right off, which is, mm -hmm. you know, incredibly simple and incredibly brilliant at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like, of course, mm -hmm. I, which is why I'm amazed when you're talking about how you've gone on Amazon and no one else has done this. I'm like, right. why not? Because this yeah. is actually a really smart idea and a really practical idea. I thought one of the interesting things, so last night you pitched mm -hmm. as part of the Venture School competition. How did you do? Uh, well, I placed third. Which is awesome. Yep. So I'm taking home $5,000, which yes. will be great because I think that'll be able to help me get the professional content that I need yeah. with photography and videography to get better imaging of my product to yep. get it out there on social media. Yeah. And I just, I thought that was so cool because I mean, honestly, I watched all five pitches and I was just like this, I would not want to be a judge here, honestly, <laughs> because I could see so much potential and value in all five pitches. Yeah. Um, and I do just want to share that we had um, Dustin on earlier in the show and his company was also pitching and he got to take home the grand prize. So, and what I also loved, like, first of all, we're super excited for Dustin who's here taking pictures with us right now <laughs> as well. And we love him. But what I was really excited about was how excited all the other competitors were as well. Like there was, it was such yeah. a neat thing. And it spoke to me about the entrepreneurial community and how even when we're in quote unquote competition with each other, we are also supportive oh, yeah. of each other. And that came through so good in that cohort of entrepreneurs that were pitching last night. Um, as you were working through that process, what, why did you choose to go through the venture school process first? And kind of what, did, what do you feel like you really got out of doing something like that? Um, I wasn't even planning on going through venture school. I had contacted the Papa John Center because um, it was referred to me by a friend and they thought this would be something that would be really great for me. And so I had originally just talked to him about any type of guidance on next steps with my product. And they're the ones that told me to go through venture school to do the customer discovery. Um, and so I was able to find out a lot of information through venture school and really understand, okay, who is this product going to be geared towards? Who would want to use something like this? What is the market opportunity, et cetera? Um, and so I was able to gain a lot of information through all of that. And in turn, it's brought me to Entrefest and be able mm -hmm. to meet a lot of connections that if I didn't go through venture school, I don't think I would have the connections right. that I have today. Yeah. And that's to me. Sorry, Rob, I know I'm cutting you off, but that's one of the big things I have about entrepreneurship is we, we as entrepreneurs collectively cannot sit in our basements and try to do this by ourselves. Right. We have to connect with other people. We have to figure out if our idea is viable. And so the, yeah. the customer discovery process, and I know there were some other things that came with that, but that customer discovery process is so darn vital to developing your business. So where did that discovery process lead you? What did that tell you about who your market was and where the best place to start was, right? Because you yeah. saw the need, but then how did they affirm it? Um, well, I first tried to interview a lot of painting contractors um, because I thought this would be something that people would want for their businesses, especially if they're painting every single day. And I tried to talk to a few contractors and a lot of the people that I talked to, they just want to get the job done and they didn't really care about that. Um, so it was really hard to get much traction with that 
demographic. Um, it wasn't until I started interviewing a lot of hobbyists and then a lot of um, millennial homeowners that mm. were painting their homes and trying to do all these DIY projects themselves that they wanted something like this because they were in that group of people that they started to care about the environment and mm -hmm. everything that was going into the landfills and how that they could make a difference even in small ways. And this is something that was geared towards them that they saw an opportunity and I think that's something that they want to jump on. Have you talked to nerds? Have I talked to nerds? I only ask because there's a whole <laughs> community of people who paint like little miniatures yeah. for role-playing games and uh, model. I mean, when I say nerds, I'm pointing at myself yep. because <laughs> I, I mean, I like I just there's so many like yeah, left field uses for this right. that that maybe wouldn't occur to you right away, but that. Uh, you know, a customer discovery process might reveal, but also, you know, just walking down to a hobby shop and right. watching some of these, some of these folks in there would be like, oh, wow, they make a mess. <laughs> I bet I could help them out. Um, you know, you were talking before about uh, the competitiveness or, or that, mm -hmm. uh, that entrepreneurs have a sense of community and they mm -hmm. help one another. I'm, I'm curious in the course of venture school, one of the cool things we've had at the Iowa Startup Accelerator is that in addition to learning a lot from the program itself, participants in the accelerator learn a lot from one another because they're getting to bounce pitches off of one another and get ideas or, oh, you know, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And, and they're talking to people who are going through the same challenges they are. I'm curious if you had any similar experiences in the venture school, if there were any other people there who just in practicing pitches on one another or just talking about products, if there were any revelations you had or things you realized just because these are people who are in the same situation as you and might have a perspective that the average person wouldn't. Um, I was actually the only one in my venture school cohort that had a physical product to sell. Mm -hmm. Everybody else um, either had a small business or they took on a business from somebody else and they were trying to figure out how to scale it. So it was kind of unique from my standpoint, trying to figure out, okay, how can I make this work? Because I was still kind of just going by the, you know, the seat of my pants and trying to figure this out by myself when nobody else had a product that they were trying to sell rather, you know, a small boutique or an insurance company. Mm -hmm. So while yes, it was valuable learning from other people and their experiences, um, nobody was in kind of the same realm as me as far as customer discovery and who they needed to interview. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, listening to your, to your pitch last night, I could see, and I know you have a roadmap of mm -hmm. just the potential for this thing. Um, and I, to me, there's two there's two things. One is obviously the environment environmental impact, which you yeah. quantified, and I'd love for you to do that again for our listeners. And I think there's a monetary aspect to that too. To your point, Rob, the nerds of the world, or just the cost conscious people yeah. of the world, I would much rather spend forty, fifty, a hundred dollars once, depending on what it is, than two dollars a thousand times. Right. And, you know, and then I also, in addition to that, get to have a positive impact on the environment for my kids and my kids' kid, my kid and kids, his kids. Oh, my Lord. So there's I think that there is so much positivity with what you're doing. But I'd love for you to just share some of those stats about the environmental yeah. impact of this. Um, so when we actually sat down and did all the math, we figured out that there's roughly 240 million plastic paint tray liners going into landfills every single year. And once I figured that out, I was like, okay, these can't be recycled. So what can I do to change that? And the best part with the silicone paint tray liner and the lid is it is recyclable because you are able to wash it out and sanitize it. And that's why silicone, it's so durable that it's used for medical tech and cooking supplies. And that's the best part about it because it, you can clean it and reuse it. So um, with my company, I plan on having a take back program. So if the silicone becomes damaged, the lid, or you, you puncture a hole in it for some reason, you can't use it. Uh, you can contact me. I'll send you a shipping label. So that way you can send it back to me. I'll be able to properly recycle it to be made into new product. Mm -hmm. And in turn, I'll be able to give you a discount code to buy another one of my liners and lids or one mm -hmm. of another product that I hope to bring out. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, I love that as a model. Now, you, um, you start, I kind of want to shift gears to your origin story because last night when you shared, like when you built this mm -hmm. and what was going on in your life, the room erupted yeah. in applause. I so know. share that piece of it. Um, 
Yeah, mm -hmm. so I started doing this about a year ago because I was refinishing and refurbishing furniture and doing a lot of painting. And that's kind of where the inspiration came from, realizing there's nothing like this on the market. Um, but when I started venture school, I found I was pregnant. Um, so I went through venture school pregnant, doing all the customer discovery while taking care of my toddler at home. Um, and then did the pitch, had Christmas, all the holidays, New Year's, everything, had my baby in February. And then it was like three weeks later, I uh, got the patent filed. <laughs> I literally was like in the hospital room, like sending emails. Okay, what do we need to do? Like with the lawyer, okay, I need to revise this. <laughs> and all this stuff. So yeah, we got it. We got it patent pending and everything and all while taking care of a newborn. I can't tell you how many times um, just leading up to Entrefest, I would be sitting on the couch, nursing my son and like <laughs> typing with one hand. And I had like a TV show going and oh my yeah. goodness it was insane but I got it done <laughs> so Rob I think you can probably identify a little bit with what she's describing a little bit a little bit yeah. I've got a three-month-old at home and yeah. so yeah still trying to trying to get things done and yeah. uh, keep the little guy going at the same time <laughs> it's, it's definitely definitely yeah. a challenge yeah. um I, so you mentioned that you know, you're going to use the, the prize money from last night uh, mm -hmm. to help with some marketing photography efforts things like that but beyond that what happens from here? Where where do you go with this? Um, right now, I'm trying to find a good fit with a manufacturer that will be able to produce this. Um, I really want to be able to produce it in the United States um, to kind of have that stamp of saying, hey, this is probably made in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, I think the quality is going to be there a lot better mm -hmm. um, than, I, than I would be able to get from overseas. And, and you avoid I'm, those like those long lead times. It and is. If it, there's any yeah, disruption I've, I've in seen, international there supply are chains, so many, right? Uh, there's so many companies now that are like U.S.-based companies that are running into that, like small yeah. startups. There's yeah. uh, there's one in particular that, um, again, I'm a nerd. Uh, I have like these quarter scale arcade machines. Mm -hmm. So you know they're just like the original ones from the '80s, and and so and they're made by these really small companies that you know really limited runs, and you pre-order them. And it's been kind of sad watching some of these companies that keep sending out email updates. We're like, well, so uh, the, we're going through this factory in China and they've had to shut down production again yeah. because of COVID. Or, well, we got a notification that our machines are on a boat outside of San Francisco, but it can't land. Yeah, you know, nice. like like so many things like that, and and it's just been you can you can see the frustration just in these like mass email yeah. communications from these founders who clearly started this before COVID and have run into all these obstacles they never thought they'd have yeah. to run into. Yeah. That obviously making it in the U.S. you you probably won't have that issue. Yeah. Right, and and that's what I've done, and you know, or that's what I've seen in my research is that there's going to be the time difference, there's going to be a language barrier. I might not be able to actually physically go and visit the manufacturer and talk with. People. I also don't have an international patent. It's just solely based in the United States. Uh, so if I were to go overseas, there's a potential for somebody to take my idea and run with it mm -hmm. and be able to produce it cheaper. And, yeah. you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. So you in the middle of everything else, I, you remind me a little bit of me because you don't do things easily. Yeah. <laughs> what I understand is you launched your website on Sunday night. Yep. You then pitched on Tuesday night. Yep. Got to the final five for venture school, pitched last night, took third place. And you're already at how many pre-orders for this thing after launching um, on Sunday I night? I checked last night and I think I'm at 120 pre-orders. Which is so awesome. So yeah. the span of four days, yeah. you 120 pre-orders. That's going to be nice. 121 after this podcast. Right? 22, uh, 23, 24, 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alex is going to need like 12 of them. Yeah. It's but like, no, yeah. Alex, you can buy one big one. You don't have to buy all the little ones and then spread them on the floor. You don't have to do that. So how do people pre-order? Because I know there's going to be people that hear this that want right. to support you and want to support this cause. I mean, more than anything, it feels a little bit like a cause. And it was not more than anything. That's not fair, but as part of it. <laughs> well, I'm not taking your money right now uh, because I still have to work with the manufacturer mm -hmm. and figure out pricing and cost. But if you go to my website, it's silicone-studios.com. Mm -hmm. The dash in there, you got to remember that part. Otherwise, you'll go to a very strange website mm -hmm. um, and you'll be able to sign up for pre-orders there. All you need to do is put in your email and your name. And even if you don't order one or buy one in the future, it doesn't yeah. matter. Just being able to add your name to that list helps me be able to build something to show to the big guys like Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's and everything like, hey, this is a product that's wanted and needed. How can mm -hmm. I get into your stores? Yep. Um, so yeah, if you sign up for pre-orders, that, that will help immensely. And I'm really hoping it's my goal to be able to get these out into production and on the market by the end of the year. 
That's fantastic. I see Christmas presents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would actually be really cool to be able to get out before Christmas because I do have a bunch of people in my family that would highly value something like that. Yes. And it would be like the best un- like surprising Christmas gift I could give. Right. So, so yeah, I'm on board nerds. with that. I'm both excited and nervous because I do not have the space to be able to do the packaging and the shipping. Yeah. So I might have to kick both the vehicles out of the garage for a while. <laughs> Uh, yeah, many an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> many an entrepreneurial yes. story involves in my garage. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you and Steve Jobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I always tell myself I'm gonna be the next Scrub Daddy. There you go. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, Billy, thank you so much for coming on, yeah. sharing at least part of your story with us. I know there's so many layers always to these stories, but really appreciate that. And I do. Anybody who listens to this, please go out and support her. Like she said, there's not a financial commitment up front. You are making a commitment to an entrepreneur, a startup business that is, I think, adding a shed load of value. I did say shed. Shed load of value (laughs) to our entrepreneurial ecosystem in the state of Iowa. So thank Thank you. you. All right. So super excited to have our next guest in this segment, um, Jack Chimbetete. Yes, 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 yes. Um, So really excited um, to have you talk about this. We literally met about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, we didn't know Jack before. We we crossed paths and and after a few minutes of chatting, we were like, uh, you need to come on the podcast because this is an amazing story. (laughs) And here we are. I, I, I was actually telling people yesterday and they were fascinated. I was like, I came all the way from Zimbabwe for Entropist. Yes. Okay, I've been doing other things, but the connections that I'm getting here, oh, yes. they are just amazing. Man. Just just forget everything else. Just yeah. that part about you came all the way from Zimbabwe for yeah. Entrefest and yeah. just leave it right there. Don't <laughs> yeah. mention right. don't mention anything yeah. else about Des Moines or anything and like that. That just, wraps up yep. our season. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. just really exciting. Mm. And I was sharing just before yeah. we started, mm-hmm. you know, and then last night we had the fellows come yeah. in from yeah. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so what a really cool connection because yeah. you were a fellow. Yeah, 2018, um, I was one of the, you know, selected Mandela Washington Fellows and I was at Drake University. Mm-hmm. And um, the fellowship is just a great experience. It was started by Obama when he was in office. Um, yeah. He just kind of tries to look for what they call distinguished leaders in, you know, Africa yeah. who are kind of doing some, you know, amazing work. I don't know about that, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but so we, so, you know, we came here and then um, whilst I was in Des Moines, um, I, I made my first, um, you know, uh, documentary about the city of Des Moines. Because I love the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Like the way, you know, people work together, the functionality, things like this, Interfest, right? I'm like, I was just amazing. So I'm like, hey, let's make a film about this, you know? And then um, I also did uh, another documentary about the fellowship itself, the experience at Drake. And and then the, the, the year after I was invited for, um, um, you know, some, some film festivals, the Des Moines Arts Festival, I was invited to launch it. And it was just amazing. I'm like, oh, I love it here in Des Moines. This is going to be my second home. And I think now it is. This is it's interesting. We've had a few conversations over the last couple of days with other people about why Iowa yeah. and why to do. But, you know, um, but your perspective is really interesting because yeah. you came here from and you immediately recognized something that, yep. like you said, you felt like there were films to make yep. here and there was a reason to do business yep. here. Why is that? What did you see when you got here that made you think, yeah, I I want to I want to work here. This is where I want to be based. So I'm, you know, being a media person and being a filmmaker, everything I see is reflective. I don't see it for mm-hmm. myself. I see something and I'm like, people should need to see this. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. I was even telling one of the marketing coordinators of Interfest and I was like, why didn't you do a documentary about this whole thing? And I think they might be or they are. I don't know if they're not, then let's jump into it because I feel <laughs> like, wow, you know, people need to learn how you guys do things. So, so the first thing is that I saw how you know there's a you know the the Greater Des Moines Partnership and how they've got all these organizations coming together right and they, they agree okay let's build this building let's have these companies let's have you know, these incubations let's have these accelerators let's let's create these venture funds right and that is just a functional system right so I I was like you know if our people back home were to learn about how to work together like this how to come together like this how they can support government city you know all of these other you know parastatals to be able to work that would be amazing so I thought if I would put that in a film they could kind of see it and and they loved it. Because I went back home, we launched the film, the U.S. Embassy supported, they sponsored the launch of the film, and it was a hit. Like, <laughs> everybody was talking about it, like, when are you going back? We need more. And actually, when I did come back, I, that's when I met Mr. Papa John, and he was like, you need to make more films like this, right? So yeah. he then kind of, you know, gave me a couple of grants to do more films. I did a documentary of, of, of um, the University of Iowa JPEG department, because they do a lot of work with the fellows themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the story just continued. More people were like, you need to come back and do more films. And then I'm like, I'm just going to open a company here, and I'm just going to look for a second home here because I kind of like the people and they kind of, you know, act like they like me too. So this seems like there's a connection. 
Yeah, so I do just want to clarify. Yeah. So when when Jack mentioned uh, Mr. Papa John, so there's the the John the Papa John on John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center, Center yep. um, that has locations all over the state. Yep. Um, and then last night we actually had the Venture School, the John Papa John yep. Entrepreneurial Center Venture School competition, uh-huh. and we just talked with Billy who took third yep. place in that. And so. It just, you know, it's these these tentacles, these parts of yep. the ecosystem that people are able to yep. tap into. And yep. so I just wanted to clarify that for anybody who might not be familiar oh, yeah. with that yeah. ecosystem element mm-hmm. in Iowa. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, for me, that just kind of, you know, all of these people who are, are able to identify these opportunities and say, let's do something about it. That's what I kind of love. Right. And I and I, I like to use, you know, film to be able to kind of show other people who might not know how to do things, but might have probably similar opportunities and similar resources, just kind of how to put these things together. So I call the model city um you know profiles model city documentaries mm-hmm. where we come into a city and we show how you know how things are happening here like i w- actually want to do something about iowa city as well mm-hmm. because i like the way it's just so compact you know i was mm-hmm. you know last night at the brothers and we just had a good time and you know yeah. people just started appearing and i'm like wow these people are really <laughs> enjoying life i didn't know people enjoy life in iowa city i was surprised you yes. know and in the afternoon i'm like well maybe it's a ghost town and then later on you know, so yeah. I'm loving that. Loving and then it. everyone woke up and came out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where are these people coming from? <laughs> so I always love talking to filmmakers yep. about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there are filmmakers who went to school, yep. and then there are filmmakers who they just picked up a camera one day yep. and started telling stories, yep. and they kind of learned what they needed yep. to know. Yeah. Uh, did you go to school, or did you? are you part of the second category? Did you just kind of learn as you went? So my story is even more fascinating. Um, I was part of a, an organization called Children's Performing Arts Workshop. Mm-hmm. I started at 10, so I was doing music, dancing, you know, I was doing theater and all of that. And the director of that organization said, you seem to have an eye for film. I don't know what he saw. I'm like, what? Okay, and then they opened like a media academy, right? And then um, one of the stations that was running was called Joy TV at that time. It was the other station, you know, um, you know. Uh, and then they 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 wanted to have like a kids, um, you know, a multimedia center. So I was one of the five kids that they brought there. And the first thing they were asking is like, so what would you want to be if you were kind of working in film? And I just said producer. That's what what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a producer. And ever since then, that's my story. 40, 14 years and so up until now. So you were ten years old when you. Decided? I was ten years old. Oh my god. When I decided wow. to be a producer at 14. That's when they started training us. And um, we made our first kids shows and all of that. So actually, when I was 19 years old was when I made my first TV show, which was one of the most popular TV shows in Zimbabwe. It was called Jack's Shack. My team, my creative team called it Jack's Shack for some reason, because I was just sitting there and they're like, I think we should call it Jack's Shack. I'm like, really? Okay, let's go. And then <laughs> it was I'll like, take it. yeah, I'll take it. And then, you know, and then that's actually how my company was formed, because from that whole history, um, they brought in trainers from Denmark and, you know, from all over the world mm-hmm. to kind of train us how to make film, how to make documentary, how to tell stories that have yeah. impact and, you know, all of these things. So I really just fell in love with the trade. I really fell in love with promoting because I love showing, like I was saying before, potential opportunities and all of that. And at first, I was showing all of that potential in entertainment and everything else. And then later on, I said, hey, why not go into business? Why not show that there's potential in business? Why not show the stories that are happening in Africa, you know, which leads, which leads to the story of Africa Live Network? Yes. You know, that's... So the, that first show that you made, was that a television show or was yeah. that a, a YouTube show? It was a television show. Okay. So what it, it was a national television. So I'm curious, because um, I, I always... I'm personally fascinated by what... YouTube and places like that, what that's done for the landscape of storytelling mm-hmm. and for how it's opened things up to yep. people that mm-hmm. they're the, the gatekeepers of yep. broadcast television have kind yep. of been put by the wayside. Yep. Um, as a storyteller yourself, yep. and since you've been doing this for so long, yep. what have you seen happening mm-hmm. in that realm and and what possibilities has it opened up for you that maybe didn't exist when mm-hmm. you started? So, like I'm saying, when I started and, you know, most of my funding was coming from all of these organizations that were training me. This particular TV show was part of my training project, which was actually not supposed to be a TV show. But when they took it to the broadcast, they're like, we love it. We're going to put it in TV. I'm like, really? I'm just too young for this. I'm like, no. So anyway. So. <laughs> You're never too young yeah, or too old. Exactly. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's actually how it got into TV. And um, I had to be like, okay, so this is pretty, pretty dope, right? You know, when you have like the whole nation kind of knowing what you're doing. 
doing. And it yeah. was, I mean, the concept was really crazy because the Jack of the story, nobody knew the Jack. So he was like a conspicuous character and everybody yeah. was, you know, was just, there was just so many things happening there. So <laughs> I started having people claiming on social media that they were Jack. There was someone who covered up. So I am the Jack of Jack's Jack. I'm like, oh, he doesn't really look like me. At least if you took a picture. So it was really fascinating. But then eventually as we, you know, started getting into the digital space, right? So right now I still have, you know, you know TV shows running back home. I've got crews in different parts of the continent, you know, working on different yeah. stuff. But when, as, as things started, you know, emerging, I realized that the digital landscape is changing, right? And now people are on social media and, you know, there's YouTube, there's all of these streaming yeah. platforms. But what I did realize that if you Google Africa, like I was telling you, yeah. you don't see anything nice about what's going on in Africa. You don't see yeah. our tourist attractions. You don't see our inventors. You don't see people like Eddie who are doing a lot in farming and trade and right. you know, working with farmers here in the U.S. and selling yeah. stuff back back so home. So to clarify, yeah. Jack's pointing out one of our audience members yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who were amazed. We're so happy you're here. Is you here. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, though. Yeah. I have uh, I have a few friends um, who are who grew up in South Africa, yeah. and just hearing them talk about their day to day lives yep. was so different yep. from the media images that yep. I'd brought up, been always seeing in Africa. Yep. And I was, it was like, oh wow, there's all kinds of you know tech, great opportunities yep. there, yep. and you know. And so I, that was that was my first hint. Yep. Like as a, as a as a kid, I was yep. like, oh, there's a whole side to this I'm not seeing. Yep. Well, and, and there's, I mean, sorry, I don't mean to cut you no, off, no, and no. I just did anyway. But yeah. the other piece of that is, I was listening to a podcast over the last couple of yeah. days. It's like a two hour long podcast, mm -hmm. but he, the guest on that podcast, yep. is also a filmmaker, yep. also a documentarian okay. who. Um, has been in the Congo documenting the story of the artisanal mm -hmm. artisanal cobalt mines. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not a positive story yeah. to be telling. Yeah. And so I love your focus yeah. mm -hmm. on there is more than the strife and the conflict and the bloodshed and the downside to this continent. Yeah. There are so there's such a, a richness and a depth to what's happening. I, I went to the World Food Prize the first time we went there and I uh, was with my group, um, the fellows, the first time I was here right. in 2018. And um, you know, we, we walked in there and they saw the pictures. I don't know if you've been to the World Food Prize. So they're the pictures, you know, sad pictures. Some of the pictures are reflecting countries, you know, where you'll be coming from, but you've never seen such mm -hmm. dire pictures. Sad, right? Like really horrible. Like, what? This is my country? You know, and um, because I had an interview with um, Kenneth Quinn, who was the president th at that time, the, the folks asked me, can you talk to him and just tell him, hey, you know, you can actually give him a better image, you know, and <laughs> of, yeah. of the country. So I did have a chat with him and, you know, he, he told me like, hey, this is what we receive. And, and you know, the funders, they go out there and this is the picture they get. And I'm like, so what we're going to do, this actually kind of motivated me. And I'm like, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you the, uh, you the other side of what you guys get, mm -hmm. you know. So we're going to give you the other side of what Africa has. And, and, and with Africa Live now setting it up, you know, and, and having it running, which is the reason why I then opened the company in 2019, is that we just want to be that platform where you want to find out what's going on. Where if you want to look about, you know, what the African history, if you want to look about investment opportunities, because there's a lot of minerals in, in Africa. There's a lot of, you know, greenery. There's a lot of far farming potential. There's a lot of educated people. There's a lot of resources that are like you were saying, you know, before we started underestimated. Right. And there's a, a lot of that even here in the U.S. as well, you know, with 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 with, the, the, you know, the black community, with minority groups, with immigrants who are here. There are lots of things that they're doing that people kind of don't talk about. So we just wanted to say we want to create that same platform on the social media, online, that, that's very accessible, that, that's very affordable, but that you can just kind of get, get there and learn. You know, where, where schools can plug in and say, hey, as a school, we're going to subscribe to your platform. We want to learn about the history. We want to learn about culture. We want to learn about all of that. So many social sciences will benefit and richly yes. benefit from what we're going to be doing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, there are so many facets yeah. to the work you're doing yeah. from you know, informing people on a social level yep. just to, to shift some of that imagery mm -hmm. down to the educational yep. opportunities yep. we have here. Yep. And then, of course, the entertainment factor yeah. mm -hmm. in yeah. the middle because yeah. we all love stories. Yeah. We just do. Yeah. That's the other important part is that, you know, anybody can just turn on a camera and show stuff. Yep. But to tell an engaging narrative, yep. to, to present it in a way that somebody wants to keep coming yep. back, yep. watching the next episode of a show yep. or, you know, staying with a full length documentary yep. instead of watching the first five minutes yep. and then tuning out. Yep. Um, there's definitely a there's. There's a challenge to that. Yeah. There's a creative challenge yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, as a storyteller, mm -hmm. how do you build those narratives? How do you figure out how to come into a story yeah. and be like, okay, I'm, you know, 
I'm seeing this, mm-hmm. but I want what I'm feeling yeah. to be clear to the viewer as mm-hmm. well. Like, like, what is your angle when you come into something? Um, you know, when we started, you know, she said, you, you're a curious person. So I really like to kind of approach your curiosity and say, you know, a lot of people are curious about Africa. I'll give an example of the Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you look at some of the trending things that go up about Africa that have a lot of views, you know, it's people who are making jokes about, hey, do you guys have, you know, power there? Do you guys have paved roads, you know? Do you <laughs> yes. guys have, like, real buildings or it's just mud huts, you know, and stuff like that? And those things trend so much, which for me is like, hey, so there's a lot of curiosity here. You know, you, you find something with 100 million views, you know, on TikTok or wherever, and it's just all sorts of jokes about Africa. So I'm like, if this, if people are so curious, what about if I told them that there was a 10-year-old who invented a mill? There was a 10-year-old who was working on a solution for energy. If I told them like the, the, there's a guy who invented a car, you know, that imagine the the shift of perception, right? Where you'll be like, what is this in Africa? Someone would engage for more than two hours, wanting to learn more, you know. So it's going to be very easy approaching, you know, people's curiosity and coming up with sequels of documentaries, sequels of films, sequels of of, of talk shows, you know, um, you know, where people are just going to be learning and learning and learning. Yes. If, even if you don't like to learn, it's one of those things that with your anxiety, with your curiosity, with things that you never heard about Africa, with the niche that we were talking about before we got an, you know, an air, you're going to be like, just there, there's so many facets that before we even bring the entertainment value, there's so many facets of, you know, of things that you're just going to be kind of, that's just going to grab your attention, right? Mm-hmm. And for the for people in business, they'll be like, I didn't even realize this. We can invest in this. We yes. can throw in the money in this. We can make a lot. These people can actually afford phones. These people can actually afford new shoes. You know what I mean? So all of these brands are going to have an opportunity to get in there, dive, and, and, and capitalize. And th- there's been a talk, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's been a talk that probably in the next 20, 25 years, Africa has the potential to become one of the biggest powerhouses economically, yes. right? So yeah, that, I have heard that. That, yes. that talk is there. And us as Africa Live, we're saying, hey, we want to position ourselves in a way that we showcase the opportunities that are there so that the people who are clever will be like, we're going to jump into that before China does, you know, right. before all of these other, you know, powerhouses do because China's already in there trying to, you know, do right. stuff. But there's still a huge vacuum. So we want to be able to fill in that vacuum from a holistic perspective. Gosh, oh yeah. my gosh. So <laughs> if people want to, if, if, I mean, if people want to check out some of these stories, where yeah. do they, where do they find them? So we haven't launched yet. <clears throat> Sorry. So we haven't launched yet. And um, my goal with um, with my trip being here right now is that in the next three months, we're going through our first phase of launching, which is going to be like what we call our pre-launch. That's going to be like just invi- invi- um, you know, invite-based. Right. You know, just we're inviting people like you. Kind of like a beta test yeah, for software. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to take out the invites and, and, you know, and people who probably might want to contact me and who might want to get onto our social media page or maybe our, our, our Facebook page, which is africalivenetwork.tv. Um, you know, they, they could is be that across all social platforms? Yeah, yeah. AfricaLiveNetwork.tv. Okay, they could be able to just kind of give us their info and we could send invitations to yes. those people. We have a cap, you know, because of our development team. Um, we, we know we can't surpass a certain cap for the beta taste. But once we go through the first phase, then the next phase will be the actual launch. And that's when everybody's got access to it. And, and you know, that, are we hoping by that time the excitement will be there as well. So there's going to there's going to be uh, there's going to be an early invite list for the beta yep, test. Yep, like yep. if I slip you a twenty, can I get in on that list? Well, you don't have to slip me a twenty, to be honest. I mean, I mean, if I know you and you know, and, and we're talking very well, and we you know having a good time, why not? Why so not? I, I so nice so of you to say. Can Rob, I still slip you a twenty? Rob is, Rob is very humble. So Rob is actually an award-winning winning filmmaker himself. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's very humble. Uh-huh. He will never tell you that. I don't know what you're but talking about. He, I would honestly include him. In Okay. because yeah. he's got some mad skills oh, wow. that he will never oh, wow. tell you about, but yeah. he will just very silently go off to an awards yeah. festival yeah. and come home with an armful oh, of awards, wow. and no one will know oh, until wow. a week later he might post it on and, 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 and that's and for us, you know, I'm talking about cross-cultural interaction, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so much value, and, and like I was talking to the brothers before the interview, there's so much value in cross-cultural interaction, right? Like I'm trying to bring in a rich culture of Africa right now with you know our platform, but I also want to learn, you know, about yeah. the U.S. and I also want to be plugged into you know how how do people do things? Yeah, how do folks you know have a good time? Like I had a good time last night. I will say it again, right? <laughs> like <laughs> like, like what, what, what happens here? Like what do people do fun, yeah. right? How do people go for meetings? You know, sometimes you get there, you know, you don't know really how to kind of do yeah. the thing. And, and you know you're a novice because you're in a different culture. So yeah. so that cross cultural interaction does well for me. And 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 you know meeting people like you, meeting people like you, we can mm-hmm. share notes. We can have you know further on conversations. And even and even as we go towards our launching, there's so many uh, you know aspirations of things that we can actually do together. 
you know, because it's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. Yes. It's bigger than like just, you know, a few people. We really want this to really make a landmark and, and, and be a legacy project. Well, personally, I'm going to give you a plug. Yeah. Um, the art scene in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City is really strong. You mentioned you have a theater yeah. background. Yeah. There is actually a lot of theater going on here. Okay. A lot of great music. Yeah. Um, there's there's if you wanted to if you wanted to do some filmmaking work yeah. just about those scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's actually really exciting, and yeah. that always really surprises okay. friends who come to visit. Yeah. They're like, yeah. "How is it you have eight different theaters just in this area?" Like, <laughs> yeah. how I, was, is I Iowa was surprised even during the Entrefest at yeah. theaters everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a there's a huge arts community here, yeah. and uh, and it's it's really exciting to be part yeah. of it, yeah. honestly. And it's part of why I've been able to do a lot of filmmaking work because there's okay. a lot of support yeah. for wow. creatives here. Okay. So uh, so yeah yeah I, I think um, the longer that you're here, the more you'll discover yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I think. It'll really, uh, it'll very pleasantly surprise yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I would want to capture some stories here, really, for sure, and and get into that theater space, and also invite you when I go and film some f- films in Africa. You know, we should do something together, and you know, and go there, and and, and maybe take it out some some film festival. You, you're you're, so you're gonna bring me with you to Africa. To yeah, yeah because you invited me I'm here. Isn't on that fair? Board. I'm so on board <laughs> yes. with that. Isn't yes. that just so fair? Oh yes, it, it feels fair. And if you all were here, you would see Rob's like entire energy just perked up. I'm like, just like, uh, you're, you're, you're going to what? <laughs> so Jack, I want to thank you for coming yeah. out with thank us. I, it has been an absolute yeah. pleasure to thank meet you, you and yeah. to, to be a part of yeah. just helping to, to spread the word about yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, sorry to bore you um, with my stuff. But you I mean, do, yeah. you oh man, this yeah. was such a difficult yeah. interview to get through. Yeah. I don't know how, I was trying so hard to stay engaged, but you so, know, Rob, filmmaking, what? I don't care. I know Rob could absolutely <laughs> geek out on this with you for the next three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I hope that this is a connection oh, yeah, that, that maintains. Yeah, so, thank, you. thank you, Jack. It was thank just lovely you. meeting you. Yes, lovely. Thanks, for, yes, thanks for coming absolutely. on. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yes. So we are still here at Entrefest, and we got lucky. We ran into Anna uh, while we were out and about. Which and means we stalked her on Hoover and made her come over. But yes, here <laughs> um, we are. No, uh, Anna <laughs> founded Kerbicus, and last year was in the Iowa Startup Accelerator. And um, I, I always love explaining to people what Kerbicus is. But, yes. uh, but Anna, I'll let you go ahead and, and tell everybody. Well, Kerbicus is a device that I invented. It is a high-end branded pooper scooper, to be honest, but it's really a clean compostable solution to dog waste for modern pet parents. This is the first time we've talked about dog poop on Iowa Innovation. It's so. like a vacuum that sucks up poo. Yes. It's awesome. Dog poo. This, yes. This, yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, dog I suppose you could try to use it for other poo, no, but not I don't know what's going to happen if you do there. it. We're not going there. Yes. Hey, I'm a, new, I'm a new dad. I mean, yeah. at this point, I'm looking <laughs> no, for any well, solution okay. I think every new parent would be open to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a roadmap. Kerbicus <laughs> diaper edition. There yeah. we go. Um, but no, I, I we, we made, uh, actually, uh, Jordan, one of our coworkers, is standing over there. Jordan was actually the model for Kerbicus yes. last year, like She's uh, in my pitch Jordan deck. brought yeah, out uh, brought out her dogs. She launched and, her career. And we, we practiced, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, it's it's actually it's it's a product that makes sense to a lot of people because mm-hmm. anybody who takes their dog out for a walk, yeah. um, and and I remember in our images we were showing people who were trying to balance having a phone in your hand and trying to walk your dog at the so, same time yeah. and then your dog goes and does something on the sidewalk. And, and this is my life. I have two Labradors, which I know you're not in that market yet with right, the big right, dogs, right, but exactly. that's, I always, I think this is weird. I do think of you a lot <laughs> because like, when is Anna going to come up with a big dog version of this? <laughs> because <laughs> 2023. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't really let you talk about the product as much though. So tell us a little bit more about the product. So it's, it's a device that uses a motor and it's battery operated and you can charge it. And the real key is the self-closing compostable capsules because we want to compost the waste and use it as, turn it into fertilizer and use it as fertilizer for green spaces. Yes, yes. So basically transforming a waste into a resource. And so when we last talked to you at the Startup Accelerator last year, you were you were debuting the product and, and kind of showing how it would work. Um, but when I chatted with you yesterday, you talked about how your business model has kind of shifted a little bit as far as uh, where you're going to be launching the product. Right. So um, can, um, you, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. This was an unintentional pivot, but, you know, life happens when you're trying to plan other things. So our supply manufacturer asked if he could license the product. So we're going to be launching in Asia and Europe and the UK uh, first, Q3 of this year, and then in the US by Q4. Wow, that is a pivot. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Wow, congratulations. Thank you. But a smart one, because those are huge markets, and that could really allow you to come back into the U.S. market with a vengeance if it really Mm -hmm. takes off there. Yeah, so we get revenue uh, early on, and we can get the kinks out before we come to the unforgiving American market. Is there anything else that you kind of <laughs> learned about Kerbicus as a product over the past year since you were in the accelerator? I mean, I'm sure that you've continued to make prototypes and continue to test it out. Have you discovered anything new about it, either in terms of what customers it appeals to or how to make it work better than it did before? Yes, we've, we're in uh, over 50 prototypes now um, that we've tried out, uh, tested battery life, um, suction, uh, yes, and with more, I was focusing, as you know, on the urban market, hence the name Curbicus. Mm-hmm. Urban in Latin is Urbicus, and I put a C in front of it for curb your urban pet. Right. But I didn't think it would have such appeal in non-urban areas, and it does. Yeah, nobody enjoys the experience of slipping that bag onto their hand <laughs> and leaning down and, and picking up. I, warm it just, poop. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just never an enjoyable experience, and even when it's 40 below outside. And then there's the alternative of <laughs> the people who don't enjoy that experience, so they just don't bother. Yeah, right. Just leave it for everyone yeah. else oh, to gosh. discover. Well, that was the impetus for, for the business, right. people who yeah. didn't do it. Right. Yeah, I remember us having conversations about, because you live in New York, yep. and you were talking about, you know, constantly going out and on the sidewalk, somebody is just, you know, a dog has left there. a present, and mm-hmm. people can't be bothered <laughs> to do anything about right. it. Yes, exactly. Yes. So if people are wanting to follow your journey, where do they find you? Uh, we have a snarky website, and we have some good social media. Yes. Because you yeah, can do you a do. lot with dog poop. Yes. Memes and stuff. Yes, and you do. I follow you on Instagram, and I am always giggling at your posts. So I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your humor behind this, and quite frankly, I appreciate your innovation behind this. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just nagged at you for the large dog version. What is your roadmap beyond Q4 of this year? Uh, the large dog version will come out um, <coughs> next year. It's, we just have to make everything. Larger. A larger. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. It's been so good to, to catch up with you nice. and hear a little bit about where you're going, what you're doing. Yeah, which, uh, which session are you heading for next on Because we've only got uh, one session Couple left, more. I think. Yeah, right? so we have our final keynote. And, um, yeah. The investor session. Nice. Nice. Fantastic. Who doesn't need a little money? Everybody (laughs) needs a little money. Heck yeah. Uh, It's so good to see you, man. I I had such, I really enjoyed your presentation last year. I love working with your team. We've made a lot of marketing materials through Nubico, and it was just, it was really fun. Um, Like I said, Jordan posed for pictures, and we had a wonderful time, you know, running around doing that uh, and putting your product through its paces. And uh, so it's really good to see you and good to know that things are still going well. And everyone here is so welcoming and friendly and nice. That's always good to hear. Yes. (laughs) And those other places, air quotes. Yes. Well, thank you, Anna. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much to our day two Entrefest guests, Billy K. Asmus and Jack Chimbetete. It was amazing to have them on the show and hear their stories. Really, I mean, you could not maybe find more unique stories than those two, and they were a blast to pull out. So remember, you can go out and find links to their social medias and websites by simply going to entrefest.com, go to speakers, and you'll find them listed there. And it was great checking in with Anna again, too. Uh, Kerbicus is only going onward and upward, and so it was great to hear updates on that. Hey, if you loved the show, please subscribe and leave a review. This is it. This is our final episode of the season and so as we're gearing up for season two we would love to hear from you here what you'd like to see next and what we can do better uh, and what you're enjoying this podcast is produced and distributed by the las media group for more information go to lasmediagroup.com and we would love it if you think about making a donation to NuboCo. Uh, we are a nonprofit, and your contributions are helping us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs all across the state of Iowa. If you want to learn more, just visit nubo.co slash donate. So final word is this is not just the season finale, but it's my last episode as co-host. I know. It has been really, really fun going down this road with you, Jennifer. And I wasn't even supposed to be on this show when we started. (laughs) We did a test episode and I was your interview guest. 
And, you know, we were just kind of messing around. And then afterwards, you were like, hey, do you want to come on board as a co-host? And I was like, yeah, okay. And so it's been really, really fun uh, watching the program develop. And uh, and sadly, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be continuing on without you, which is uh, which is a bummer. But Jennifer has found a great new opportunity outside of Nubo Co. Uh, did you want to mention that really quick? Sure. Yeah, so I took a position with Bergen KDV, another Midwest-based company, which is pretty awesome. And I get to lead the learning and development efforts there while I continue to grow my own venture and continue to do all the other things that I love in my life. And we talked about what that would mean for this podcast, and we realized it was actually opening up an opportunity for us to have other members of the Nuboco team come in and join me in the studio as we interview different guests, because we have a lot of really different expertise on the Nuboco team, a lot of different perspectives, uh, people who can bring really good perspectives uh, to the different conversations that we have and so we're excited about introducing some of those folks to you and early on you know I will always be here on the mic but then as our roster of Nubico folks builds up uh, I'll be in and out because I think it's really really important that we have a good diverse selection of voices and I'm excited of seeing how that's going to develop in our next season now that said any of you out there who are going to miss hearing Jennifer uh, you don't have to go far because (laughs) Jennifer is continuing as a podcast host even if it's not with us do you want to talk about uh, where folks can find you Yeah, so I will be launching the Dangerous Leader podcast shortly on the LAS Media Group Network. And then if you want to see me live and in person, I'm still going to emcee the One Million Cup Cedar Rapids uh, events every Wednesday. So if you really crave my voice on Wednesdays, you got to come to One Million Cups. And who knows? We have talked about how down the road it might be great to get Jennifer back in here on our podcast again. So who knows? This might not be the end after all. Yeah. So this is definitely our longest outro ever. And I'm definitely known for talking. But you know what? This has been our longest episode ever. (laughs) I mean, we've had a lot of guests and a lot of great stories, but I also think that it's been a really engaging episode, and yeah. it was it was worthy of a supersized ending. I, I As are you, ag- Jennifer. You're Aww. also worthy of a supersized send-off. <laughs> so I've been called worthy of a supersized send-off, and someone called me a unicorn not that long ago, so I feel like now I'm a supersized unicorn. I mean, if that's a name you want to use for yourself, I will not object. I am changing all of my social media Supersi- Well, all right, supersized unicorn. <laughs> I have really enjoyed recording with you, and I wish you all the best. As have I. Thank you, Rob.